0: Welcome to the Educational Physics Podcast. I am your host, João Figueiredo. This podcast is all about education, pedagogy, mindset, and uh, really any other nonsense that I think about during the week. Enjoy. Hi, today's episode is about trauma and the impact of trauma on the learning process and the importance of bringing this topic into the education system. I will be talking about trauma with a few different people as well during the next couple of episodes. We will be talking to therapists, educators and researchers who have been focusing on the topic of childhood trauma especially. So today, although I'm not an expert, um, I would like to discuss the broad ideas around trauma. So first we must define what trauma is and sure I could give you some sort of Google based definition but anyone can Google that kind of information. I will give you my more pragmatic and empiric approach to what trauma is. So trauma is obviously any event that changes the course of your life negatively. We have several of those events throughout our lives and we also have several of positive events throughout our lives that create positive change. So why is trauma so much more impactful because it is our chemistry changes our physiology changes our neurochemistry changes it seems to me that it's not unfair to say that the human condition is much more wired to absorb negative blows and positive ones negativity seems to be more lasting and positivity seems to be more fleeting and that's not just a perception thing. Our chemistry reacts that way to these two different stimuli. Negative stimulation does cause more impact on the body, on the brain. The science is clear. So then what do we do about this? We first need to understand how trauma develops. I believe it was Nietzsche who said that if you really wish to traumatize someone, punish them when they do something right. That's a very impactful sentence. Because it really explains the power of trauma and how trauma gets developed over time. There are sources of trauma that are very quick and they can occur in a matter of seconds. A car accident the sudden death of a loved one, abuse. Those experiences are real. Many years ago, I was robbed Um, after a night out. There were knives, there was shouting, there was punching and kicking, there was money that was stolen. And I was 16, 17 years old. It was very difficult. The police caught some of the people right there and then and then there was this whole court process. I had to show up and identify people and I was just a child. I remember vividly going in to identify potential people who were in, had been involved and I couldn't even get myself to identify anyone my memory was so blurry and all i could remember were the emotions of it and i could remember as well vividly that i didn't didn't want to just identify anyone to just point out anyone like yeah that could be the guy because what if i were wrong and that was very difficult because yes of course i wanted justice But the reality is that I was also driven by empathy. So it was a very difficult, very difficult contention there where in my brain, being kind and empathetic didn't reward me, but punish me. Not, I didn't get punished for being empathetic in the moment of going to the police station and trying to identify potential people who had been involved but I had been retroactively punished because there I was being empathetic because someone had been violent towards me. It was a very bizarre and complicated situation to, to go through mentally. It took me a long time to to overcome that anxiety. I don't really feel comfortable going out. Um, for many years, I didn't go out to, to bars or anything like that. I felt a, a, an inherent anxiety attached to that situation. Now, this is really relevant because that's exactly how trauma operates. It connects two things together and creates a trigger. Mm -hmm. So then, when you're exposed to situations where that potential scenario seems to be reoccurring, that trigger shows up, gets pulled, and the trauma Reignites. So, all those emotions, all those physiological responses that you felt, the adrenaline rising, your, your fight or flight or freezing um, response kicks in again, it all comes back. And that's trauma. Trauma becomes imprinted into your system. And it becomes a, a matter of analyzing exactly what happened. Going back to that situation, revisiting the situation, making sure that you really detach and disassociate that situation from new situations that might arise. If you're not being robbed again, then any sort of trigger response is being misplaced. Because trauma operates in that fashion. It starts to look for situations that could be similar and the more exposed to trauma and traumatic experiences you are the more broad your scan will uh, the more broadly your scan will operate what does that mean you will start creating subconsciously situations where their anxiety might get triggered the brain starts to not only create situations, but obviously perceive certain situations as potentially dangerous and who can blame the person who's doing that that person is just trying to survive and everything becomes about survival so trauma becomes a a hang up they become handcuffs traumatic experiences don't allow you to experience the moment as it is because you're constantly trying to associate that to past traumatic experiences to see if it's going to repeat again, to see if you're, gonna, if you're about to deal with the same problem again. Maybe you're listening or watching to this podcast and you're reliving right now traumatic situations from your past. Maybe you were abused by someone. Maybe you were told that you're a failure, you're a loser. Trauma can come from many different places. And here's the sad news. Trauma sometimes comes, most of the time comes, from where you least expect or need. Your family. Your family gives you the narrative of your life. So when you're dealing with your parents and and they tell you that you're just not good enough, you're going to believe that because we are wired as children to take on and absorb what our role models show us and tell us as dogma. That's just how children adopt and understand the world. It takes many years for a child and then a teenager and then an adult to start to broaden its understanding of the world and include more sources of information and inspiration and aspiration. But until then, a lot of damage could be done. Bad parenting is everywhere, and sometimes, and this is quite frustrating at times, but it's not even violent parenting or, you know, dealing with an alcoholic parent. Yes, of course, that's going to be very traumatic. But sometimes we're dealing with parents who are excessively protective. And they will traumatize their children because they will deprive them from autonomy and empowerment. This child will grow up feeling incapable of doing anything for themselves and by themselves because they get used to the comfort of of having that safety blanket. And that's not what parenting is, in my opinion. And the reality is that All these different styles of parenting affect children differently. And how that impacts them when it comes to learning is very relevant. Because if a child is trying to learn a new skill, let's say ride the bicycle. So you're trying to teach your your child how to ride the bicycle. Okay, great. That looks like great parenting. You're there being supportive. But maybe, when they fail, when they fall, you laugh at them. And in your mind, you're laughing with them. But the question is, are they laughing? So as funny as it might be to see someone fall, it seems to be some sort of comedy shtick, the reality is that In your child's mind, you're laughing at them and, more importantly, at their failures. So then they might get upset and cry. And then you might say, Why are you crying? I was just kidding. I was just joking. Stop crying. Now they feel twice as invalidated as they felt at first. Now not only you were laughing at them, now you're telling them to stop crying and repress their feelings about the fact that you were laughing at them. So let's rewind. How would you approach that situation then? Let's say that we commit the mistake first of laughing at them. Okay, great. Now we have two options. Do we double down and cover our tracks and... To be fair, become a little egotistical about our reaction and say, stop crying, why, why are you being such a, a, a whiner? Or do we realize that we maybe made a mistake with the laughing? We take a knee and we apologize to them, we give them a good hug and we say to them very gently and very honestly, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you. That was wrong of me. No buts, no ifs. Just like that. Ideally, that's gonna create a bit of a traumatic experience for you, parent, where you you will learn not to repeat that same mistake again. Where you will feel that the next time you kind of feel the urge to laugh at a situation that according to your child's needs and emotions, it's not laughable. Your child is giving it their all. They're trying to ride that goddamn bicycle. And there you are laughing at them. Look at you, so capable. So capable of riding a bicycle all by yourself. And that's what a child thinks. Why are you laughing at me? Can't you see I'm trying hard for you? A child doesn't know what the outcome will be of riding a bicycle. They don't have that understanding yet. They haven't done it. They are they are being driven by the potential of being able to ride the bicycle, but they haven't experienced the pleasure of doing it. So what's driving them is the fact that they want to do this for you, the parent. They want to do this because they understand that there's an interaction an interaction there between them and you that this is something you're doing together as a bonding exercise and then you mock them and yes I know what you might be saying you you might think I wasn't mocking them we're taking this far too 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 seriously or maybe you're not taking it seriously enough and that's trauma trauma. Can often be developed, get developed by these sorts of interactions. It could also be a teacher who doesn't take their students' potential seriously or dismisses it. You know how many teachers out there say to their students that, you know, you're just not good enough, you're just never gonna make it? It's unreal. These people exist. I'll share another story. I have one student currently still who came to me maybe uh, I don't know a year and a half ago and the story was told by his mom that he was taking lessons at school with a private drum teacher which is what I do for a living and but that they wanted to quit because that 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 teacher was so impatient and so intolerant towards failure that he was, you know, just demotivating my student. And my student wanted to learn, he wanted to learn how to play the drums. But guess what? It's not an easy task. It's a difficult instrument to play. It requires practice, understanding, it requires repetition, nurturing, patience and love. Now this teacher was sucking the life out of the student, right? So thank God they came to me because that kid was going to stop playing. And guess what? He's still playing and very well. Now that's not just my credit, right? He came to me wanting to bounce back. So more power to them, more power to that mother, more power to that father. They are a fantastic family. But this is an example of how trauma can come from anywhere and everywhere. I used to have a student who couldn't deal with failure at all. So what, what did that look like? We would be in a lesson and as it goes for all of us human beings, he would make a mistake. So then two things would happen as a reaction to me pointing that out and giving him feedback that a mistake had been made. He would first just deny it and sometimes even accuse me of lying, which was very interesting. It was quite a a disproportionate sort of reaction to feedback, you would think, right? and then he would just melt down and cry. This is not a toddler. This was an 11-year-old boy. It was heartbreaking and frustrating because I could see the trauma exuding in those reactions and he was so aggressive, so visceral. You could see that the reaction came from somewhere he couldn't control and we often had those conversations where he told me that I did, I just can't control this. Unfortunately, it came from home. My perception was always that he was told that he could do no wrong. So you see, supposedly good parenting where we we are kind of seemingly empowering a child, was completely disempowering whenever an actual obstacle would arise. He would just crash because he couldn't believe that he could be in a situation where he could be making a mistake. His brain just couldn't comprehend that. So enabling is also a traumatic experience in the long run. Because what happens when more obstacles arise? He's not going to have the tools to fight those obstacles. We all have to deal with them. We lose a, a, a relationship, we lose a job, we, lose m- we have an accident, we have an injury. How do we deal with these things if we don't have coping mechanisms? So that resilience is extremely important. With kindness, absolutely but with honesty likewise. But it's not just from parents or teachers that we absorb trauma from. We could do that, and we we probably all did, absorb some some traumatic blows from our peers, schoolmates, relationships, um, just people we work with, These are all people, individuals that create an environment of potential trauma-making, especially in childhood, where we don't really have yet enough resilience and ego even to brush off some of those blows. Ego can be an extremely adaptive tool but I won't get into that today. So trauma has many different angles. It could be punishment. Absolutely. If you're punished for doing something right, especially, yes, that's very traumatic. But if you're punished for doing something wrong, that's also, that's also very traumatic. Because we should be able to make mistakes without being punished. At least willy-nilly. The world is punishing at times. I appreciate that, but do we really need to, as parents, as caregivers, as teachers, educators, whoever, is it really our job to inflict that punishment just because a mistake was made or there was some sort of disappointing result on a test? Punishment? No. But trauma can also be abandonment, feeling unsupported. So there was no punishment per se, but there is no intimacy between ourselves and our parents. And there's this concept called attunement that is really, really, really important. And I'm going to be talking to some guests about this as I find this not only fascinating from the scientific standpoint, but also very impactful from the actual practical results perspective. And just like in the example that I gave you of that student of mine who couldn't understand making mistakes and how to cope with them, lack of limits is also traumatic because lack of limits and boundaries when parenting a child leads to lack of direction. To give a child freedom to be autonomous is not synonymous with giving child freedom to be chaotic. That's not the same thing. A child can be autonomous within boundaries. I would argue that that's the most healthy approach to parenting. Establishing boundaries and now off you go. Go try them out. Go explore everything that sits in between those boundaries. And then if we play by the rules of this game, then I promise you that I will expand these boundaries. I wouldn't even make that promise, by the way. That would just be an implicit promise. So how can we fix traumatic experiences? How can we fix the triggers? We need to teach children, first of all, that they are supported. As educators, it is fundamental that we are trauma-informed and we have to understand what a child is going through and think through their minds, which fortunately we have the tools to do that in our brains. Those are called mirror neurons, which are basically the source for empathy. You know, I yawn, you yawn. So you hurt, I hurt, and if I can do that for this child, if I can feel that, and then use my more developed and 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 my tools and my training and my skill set to help them understand that here you are safe, here you are supported, here you can make mistakes, and if you feel like you're cracking under the pressure, here you can have a hug, and we can put this on hold. That's fundamental. As educators, we have to embody the ultimate source for aspiration, but also for safe exploration autonomously, without the fear of punishment or abandonment or mocking or no limits. Educators have a very privileged position here because we have the power to establish the limits, create an environment that gives direction, but then just give them the, the freedom and the ability to just explore by themselves within those limits. And then we are there for when they fall. And we are there to teach them how to, A, hopefully not fall again, but B, what to do when you fall again because you will. And that's okay. It's okay to remind them that, yes, we will fall. I fall. You fall. It happens to all of us. It's our job to show them how to overcome that, how to not attach that constantly to the traumatic experience of the past. We have to help them as educators to navigate the different stories and conversations that occur in their heads. We have to help them disconnect from the experience, not forget, just disconnect so they, so they can operate within the context that they are in in that moment. So it's all about providing safety, tools for resilience, tools for appreciating and experiencing the moment the context of the now it's about supporting them when they need to talk about what happened before it's about helping them navigate the different characters that got created in their minds play whilst they were trying to process the trauma because that's how we process trauma we create a story it is our job also to support them when that process is going is going on and and also afterwards when that process is already completed and the trauma is now somewhat uh, integrated into the way they see the world. So I'm very much looking forward to speaking to several guests within the next uh, few episodes and I will be touching on trauma, how to deal with it um, from the child standpoint, but also from the educator standpoint because, hey guys, we have trauma too. So I'm very excited about those conversations. I hope to learn as much as I expect to because, like I said, I'm not an expert on this. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to asking questions. Understanding myself a little better so I can help my students through that um, understanding and through that learning as well. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, subscribe, share, share your ideas with me as well. And if there's anything that uh, you would like me to discuss or invite again, a guest to, Onto the podcast to discuss this with, just let me know. Um, and in the meantime, take care of yourselves and learn better. Bye bye.